All right, folks, episode four of the Golf Friends Podcast. My name is Stefan Tudorf, your host for the podcast and one half of Golf Friends Empire, as I've been using the last couple episodes. On this week, we have a good friend of mine, Brad Lawrence. Brad is a golf professional. Brad teaches out at Hamilton Golf and Country Club. And Brad is, is known for his love of teaching new golfers the game of golf, not only you know, new to the game as adults, but primarily kids, children, people that uh, are brand new to the game and just teaching them the love of golf through his love of golf. That wasn't always the case, though, for Brad. Brad, uh, like many golf professionals here in Canada, struggled with if this made sense for him, for his family. It's It's a very hard industry to get into, and it's a very short season that requires long hours and isn't for everybody. I think uh, we're all happy that Brad did stick it out and found where he needed to be and the right people and the right team behind him, and he is doing exactly what he's meant to do. And we talk all of that. We talk just golf in general, our love of the game. And uh, Brad's just a great guy. I hope you all enjoy the podcast with my good friend, Brad Lawrence. How are you, man? Nice to see you. It's been a while. You too. I'm doing good. Yeah, I was a uh, lovely Hamilton, Ontario, uh, this time of year. Here it's lovely time to go visit Hamilton, the middle of January. And by I hear, I, I know I've spent many nights in Hamilton in January. It's uh, well, it's freezing rain today, so it's as good as anywhere, right? It's not much snow. Well, downtown it's not much snow. Up on the mountain here, it's a little bit of snow. No golf. Simulators going. Teaching's going. But it's always lovely to come visit Hamilton. Yeah. Um, so we've got to know each other for, you know, you're, I I would say you're the true definition of a golf friend without golf. Our, our lives are, would never have uh, crossed. Um, what, what is, I, let's just start off with that. Like when you look back on your years with golf, like what, how would you describe your relationship with golf now? Like if you had to describe it, cause it hasn't always been the smoothest path, but now in your life, how would you describe what golf means to you? Golf, it's, that's a tough one. I want to make sure I say something smart here. I guess I'm good, but golf is me and golf love each other and hate each other. It depends on the day of the week. I mean, I'm fortunate what I get to do for a living. I love that part of it. I mean, I had a, was a four and a half year old on Saturday morning, just got his first set of golf clubs and he's never been more excited to try and hit make contact. And he had the ball off the ground like four or five times and he loved every second of it. Me and my golf game, it's uh depends on the day like i love to play golf i don't play much golf i played nine rounds last year i think it was my goal was 10 i was one short but i played it's because a you kept canceling on me anytime i try to book rounds with you just went so it's karma i think yeah that whole like getting married thing got in the way too i think and like <laughs> my, my wife's like very she's like you go play golf go play golf i'm like okay well i uh had a wedding to pay for so i had to teach a few extra lessons this year and can't take away from golf, but I, I love the game. I love the industry. I love everything about it. I, I almost got out of the business a few years ago and luckily didn't. And here I am today. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to all of that, but I, that's, I think that's something I've, I've always appreciated about you is a lot of golf pros. I mean, I think it's more old age and I think the social media world has made you, if you're a golf pro, you have to love the game, but like, 
I don't know about you when I think of the golf pros that like I first were introduced to, it, it really felt like they were, the game chose them. They weren't really interested. Customer service wasn't something they were interested in. They weren't interested in, in talking about golf. It was like, this is a paycheck. This is my business. And that's it. Where, but I've always appreciated you is like, you love the game. You love talking about the game. You love tweeting about the game. You love posting your own swings. You love getting into the debates about the game. You truly do love the game. And is like, when you think back to your original inception or starting in, in golf, is this where you thought you'd end up? Or were you one of those kids that, when you're young thinking, I, I got to be a professional golfer, not a golf professional? Well, I thought I was going to be a professional golfer until I played, played my first tournament, shot 93, finished second last, and went, yep, this this ain't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was remembering high school, I had to do a presentation, like, what do you want to do for a living? And I Googled how to be a I guess Google wasn't around, but I researched, quote unquote, Yahoo. how to be a golf professional. Yeah, it might have been Yahoo, might have been one of those search engines. AOL. How to be a golf professional. Yeah. yeah. Like, I was fortunate that there's a place, driving range, and it's now shut down in Oakville that my family invested in a long, long time ago. So we had to spend summers there. We took golf camps there, and I knew I wasn't going to be a player, and I thought, you know, I could be – I worked at Golf Town. I worked at a dollar store. It was my first job. I worked at a golf course, and, like, I could be the guy in the shop. I could be – you know, the head pro or the tournament guy or something like that. Never in a million years did I thought I'd be teaching kids. And we can get into how I got into teaching kids. It was kind of backwards, but I didn't think I'd be doing what I do now. That's for sure. But I always wanted to be in the golf business. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you kind of brush over it, but kids are definitely your, your specialty, right? Like two time U S kids, top 50 teacher, um, recently three times. Sorry, my bad. Uh, yeah, just four time maybe. What I, I was gonna ask you. So, 2019, you know, you won. 2021, you won. What happened in 2020? I won the Ontario Junior Leader of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that was that for an answer? That's fair, uh, that's fair enough. But uh, yeah, I, not to get too political, but the U.S. Kids Award a lot of is based off like what you do for group programming. And in Ontario in 2021 or 2020, you couldn't do group programming. Right. So, I mean, I taught a million individual golf lessons to kids, but you couldn't teach summer camps or, you know, more than two people at a time if they weren't from the same household. So that kind of killed the chances in 2020 because I didn't have a group program. But you said, you know what, 2021, year back. And uh, who knows, 2022 could still happen too. But yeah, let's let's talk about it. Like obviously 2022 did happen. You didn't, did you, did you win 2022 as well? Yeah. So I won 2022. That's why oh, that's, the third. that's, the, that's third. the third. So ah. that makes you master. So then you're the highest ranking get, and then you can't win again. Oh, so three Pete and you're done. You're out of the pro. Hey, master. That's uh, I'll call you master Lawrence for the rest of the podcast. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, like you obviously get into, I don't think anyone envisions when they start to be a golf professional, like, to be only basically not only, but mostly teaching kids and kids programs. Like, tell me about that. Like, how did that end up being the path for you? And, and ultimately, like, I, I would truly believe is a craft that, you know, needs it takes a special talent. It's, it's a completely different skill than teaching an adult. It is a different skill. And like when I was way back in the day, I was an assistant at Mississauga golf and country club. And it was always, I was the new pro, like first year as a pro and, like, well, we need someone to do the junior program. And I was like, okay, cool. And like new pro, guess what, Brad, you're doing it. 
kind of by default first mm. year pro gets to run the junior program. I was 19 years old and all the kids in the junior program were like 16, 17. So I was almost their age. So I get to hang out with them a little bit. We do summer camps and then fast forward five years later, I'm working at an indoor facility called the golf lab. And I took over their junior program. We had five kids and didn't have much. And then it kind of snowballed into like, we're going to do a winter program. Brad, you're in charge of this age group. I better learn how to like, kind of teach this age group. And my ex-wife's a preschool teacher. So she kind of was a good sounding board of like, how do you teach kids and what do you do with kids and so on and so forth. And so it kind of snowballed from there. We went from five kids to 20 kids to when we left our summer camp program, I think we did 10 weeks and had 20 kids a week. Winter program had 50 kids in it. We were running it five nights a week and it just snowballed from there. I kind of people like, Hey, you're not bad at this. Like, well, One of the best comments ever. Eh? Like you're not good, but you're not bad at it. Right. Yeah, I'm like yeah. you're not bad with those kids area. I'm like, I guess so. And it just it kind of kept going. And I was fortunate. I went to Brampton golf club with Emerson. He's like, like, I didn't think I was going to be a junior golf guy anymore. I thought I was kind of done with that. And someone else did that. And they're like, no, Brad, it's yours. Run with it. Do what you want. And I was really lucky to come here to Hamilton. And he said, we got nothing. No, it's a blank slate. You and Ralph kind of sort out what you want to do. And it's the support from the membership, the support from the club. It's, it's unbelievable. This past summer, we did 200, I think it was 215 kids in programs at a private club. Like at Hamilton, it's like never thought of thought here would do 200 kids. We had, I scared my food and beverage manager. We had 72 people, including instructors for our first summer camp. So we had 60 kids, 12 instructors and myself in summer camp. And they're like, you're doing what? I'm like, yeah, what's the big deal? Like last year we had 25 because that was the max. And then like, you have 60. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we got to put them outside on the patio because the inside's booked. <laughs> so like, I mean, it's, it's funny because you're like, like we we're recording these video, but like we only sending out the audio now, but like I can tell you're like, you're actually, you're super proud of what you've done considering, you know, Hamilton, super private club, um, a lot of history. I wouldn't say it's known for, um, you know, the type of teaching that you would do. Like I would describe your teaching as, as fun. Like your classes look fun. It's a different way. You're almost tricking them into having fun with a golf club as the secondary part. Um, like oh, there's, no almost. there's <laughs> no almost in that it's we're making them have fun and golf's the game. Like us kids calls it. Um, oh, play, not play something it's like play-based learning is what yeah. CEs talk about. And that's what we do is we make it fun for them. Last year, I, I went to Dollarama here in Hamilton. I walked out with, I think it was 35 pool hoops, 72 pool noodles. And, like I had two, I was pushing two bug carts with my uh, feet because I ran out of hands. And someone looked at me and she goes, I want to come to do whatever you're doing. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, but I want to be there. Yeah. yeah. We just make it fun for the kids. And that's, if anyone wants to know the secret, you make it fun and you'd be interested. And it's, it's not hard after that. Yeah. I, I mean, like, what else are you like, do you do though to like work on your craft? Cause it's not like you're like, you're probably, you, you want to be better. You want to consistently be a better teacher and like, I'm sure you're not just going to the same well over and over if you're, cause if you are, that's a lot of hula hoops and you're going to need to find a couple more dollar stores, but like, what are you doing consistently just to make sure next year you're better than you were the year before? I, I, I follow, I was fortunate. I took TPI at junior coach two 
in 2016. And I go, Milo Bryant, who is the ultimate junior golf guy. You could I follow him on Instagram. He posts the exercise stuff. Um, TPI has a great resource library that has with level two, it has all the information there. And I just look at they, what they do. And then I, I'm not the best note taker. I'm not the best like organizer sometimes, but I write everything down for the class and we just continually tweak it. Like, how could we change this? How could we change that? Like, what if we added this into it? And truth be told, when it comes to classes, I ask the kids, like, I let them design it, like design a mini putt for um, summer camp. We always let them design a mini putt on the top six holes here at Hamilton. And we let the kids help me decide stuff and think of some stuff. And I'm lucky I have two young kids myself. I'm not young anymore. My son's going to be 12 next week. But I let, like, what do they like to do for fun? I ask them, like, what do they do? And see what their karate classes did and gymnastics did when they were kids and just keep refining and changing and kind of going back to the well, but digging out a different pen each time. Yeah. Just like growing and adapting and yeah. just not, not being stagnant. Right. Like I think that's the key with kids, especially the tension span. Right. Is that like, you need to make it interesting. You, you almost want to, what's what's coach brad gonna have this week that surprise element that brings him back the following week yeah and we just keep changing it ever so slightly it's not it's not rocket science like to say but we change it a little bit each week in each class and it's like when you go to the gym you know you start off with a a basic deadlift and you kind of progress so all everything i would do is we progress from it's you start trying to chip it to a circle and then you, you putt to a circle and then you goes different distances and then you chip it to a circle and you keep progressing the skills. So it's a very similar game, but it's a new skill or it gets more challenging. You just change it that little bit. You progress it, I guess would be the proper term. And they still stay engaged because they can get better. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess it just keeps the fun element, which I think golf, we often forget about even like myself doing lessons. Now it's all, you know, mechanical to be better at the game, but like, is it the most fun other than getting better? Like it depends on who you are, right? Like I'm sure there's a lot of, we could do a lot more with adult teaching to make it more fun even, but Hey, that's not what we're, what, why we're here. We're talking about kids. Um, and you're, you're a big kid in, in its own right. So that's why I think it all works, but just to take a, take a step back, like I bet you five years ago, if I told you where you are right now, you probably wouldn't have believed me when you were sleeping in your Uber uh, that you you were driving. Why don't you give us a quick rundown of, of that? Like, I think it's easy to see the nice parts of working at one of the oldest and best courses in North America even, but it was a long time coming to actually get here. Yeah, I mean, we're going to go way back, but there's five years ago, yeah, it's 2017, my contract ended at the job I was working at so I was left that job in September in July my ex and I decided to call it quits go give it a break so we I lost my job we went on a break we split up I moved out of my house back home lost my job and was so I was unemployed living at home and trying to find a way to make ends meet basically I remember Chris Farley's character I was pretty close to living I was down pretty close to living in a van down by the river. Yeah. So <laughs> I was, I was an Uber driver at night. I worked at TJX. So parent winner's parent company in their warehouse, mm -hmm. uh, shoveling boxes every for, I started in October. I worked at Credit Valley Golf Club in the back shop for September, like full-time. And I got to teach a little bit there with my good buddy, Doug Laurie. And I was shoveling boxes, being an Uber driver. And I remember, never forget this. 
There's one student, one parent reached out to me. I mean, I worked at the best facility indoors in Canada and things didn't work out and it's learned from it. But she, he called me and said, she doesn't want to stay with the cup, the place she wants to stay with you. So wherever you're going, she's going. So I started teaching at the Markham golf dome Had one kid one night a week, then it became two kids and then became three, then became, I think it maxed out the Markham dome at four. And then I was teaching at TXG one night a week with three kids. I was teaching at the Metro Golf Dome with two kids. I was still shoving boxes at TJX until January that year. And I just, I kind of found a way to make it work. I found a way to make money. And one kid led to another, led to another, led to another. And then I'll never forget this. I asked Doug Laurie, I said, his place, Credit Valley, I said, what do you think of applying to Brampton? It was February 22nd, I think it was. And the posting like went up, was taken down February 23rd. I said, what do you think? So I applied at like 1130 at night. I sent my resume in to Emerson. He called me and said, yeah, I'd love to do an interview. And he told me, he's like, he didn't even look at my resume. He called my ping rep because I was one of my references. And <laughs> he said, you know, he, you checked out. So you're good there. But yeah, the Uber driver story, I kind of got a little sidetracked there, but I was an Uber driver. I was not a good Uber driver. I think I had one ride ever. <laughs> And that's did, I, what was your photo that they were like nah we'll walk <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> that was a decent shot it first off a lot of respect to uber drivers is a lot harder than you think yeah i, I did like, i tried it once before too yeah it was uh, i was downtown was toronto got nobody so it was new year's 2017 like, i mean i had nothing going on i didn't was single didn't have anything to do so i thought i'd be an uber driver in port credit the nice end of Mississauga. I remember driving around at like, I think I got there at like 1130. I think I had to pick some rides up, parked in a parking lot. Actually, I got the best sushi I ever had was at a Raba in Port Credit on New Year's Eve. I don't know how to explain this one, but it's okay. phenomenal. <laughs> so I park in the parking lot and it's like, okay, I'll wait and turn the notifications on, sit there for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and I fall asleep. Next thing you know, it's two o'clock in the morning. I wake up in a parking lot in Port Credit. Luckily, I had a full tank of gas. And I'm like, what's going on here? I'm like, oh, geez, I better uh, better go home now. <laughs> I didn't get any rides for the night. And it's that was the start of 2018. And that's the year I met my wife, the year I met Emerson. And kind of everything changed all at once. What um, It's crazy because you, you went back to, you know, you had this one student that wanted to stay with you. Um what do you think made her want to stay with you back then? Right. Like obviously other things weren't going very well, but when you reflect back on that moment, like what was it, what was, where did that you connect to even, have you ever actually reflected on like, what was it that made this student want to stick with me? You know, I've always wondered that like, she's, she's very quiet. She's super, her dad was a great guy. He's helped me out find other students. He's the one that got me the other students too. But she was super quiet, didn't really say much. I didn't know if she liked me or not, but she was a great student. She worked hard. And I guess we connected, even though she like she said two words. She wouldn't say much. She just do what she told and did it great. But she didn't ever really speak at all. And her dad said, no, we want to stay with you. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> you have the right number? <laughs> I, yeah. Oh, you want the number for silly? It's this one here. And yeah. it was her and one other who I taught them both for a couple of years and the other guy, uh, his name, her name was Evelyn. The one girl's name was Carolyn. And both her dad's name was Brian. And Evelyn's dad, Brian, I knew him pretty well. And we hung out together. So I think they came because they liked me. But the other girl, I'm not sure why. Like, I must have left an impression of some kind. I couldn't tell you why. 
But like when that when that phone call happens, like because at that point, you're probably like, I got nothing. Right. You're thinking I have no students. I got nowhere to work. And then this was, phone call happens. Like what yeah. like, what goes through your mind, I guess, and at that I guess and at that still can happen. Yeah, it's it's kind of the like I didn't I wasn't shocked. I was really like, this might be able to make a make this work a little bit. Like it's a side gig goes, I was thinking I got into Gary V then and through Ian Fraser TX she introduced me to Gary V. So I started listening to that. It's like, okay, this could be a side hustle. Like I was applying for jobs with um I was going to be like an employment person to for Randstad. Like when people come for temp jobs, I'd be the guy that send them off to where they're supposed to go. I was interviewing for about three different facilities to do that in one of their offices. I was going through everything I could to get out of the golf business. And it's like, this could be a side job. And then when the second student came on, Evelyn, it's like, okay, this could work. And then Philip came on and then Charles came on. It's like, you know, there's four kids here all of a sudden on Tuesday nights that are paying me to be here. And it's like, and then Jack came on and it just kept on snowballing. And it's like, I could make this work somehow. It's not sure how it's going to work full time, but I can make it work that I can pay my bills and, you know, pay child support, pay rent, pay car payments and kind of make a business out of this. And that's when I started to focus on, okay, how do I teach more and how do I grow this and how do I grow that? I think I taught at four facilities that winter at four different cities just to be able to pay the bills. Well, it's funny because when you first brought up the story, I was thinking this guy was doing anything to stay in the industry when a minute ago you just said you were actually doing the opposite initially. You were looking to get out. You were done. I was better with the industry. It's like as better and there's some say it off air, kind of some other stuff that was going on. And I was like, yeah, I've just had enough with this business. I want to get out. Didn't like golf. Wasn't in a good place mentally. Wasn't a good place physically. I guess I was in better shape than I am now. But mentally, I was at my end in a lot of situations. I remember we can get into it if we want to. There's some pretty dark times in 2017 that I said when I when I won Class A of the year in 2019. I remember I started crying. Well, I'm a crier, so I cried pretty bad that at that speech. But like Doug Laurie talked me off the edge a few times, and in that kind of winter time, like there's some times that didn't look like I was going to come back and it wasn't just the golf industry. I was done with, to be honest, I was done with everything. You know, I lost my house, lost my wife, my partner. She was, we were engaged for six years, had two kids in the house. We were basically married, but lost the house, lost the wife, moved back home, lost everything. And it's like, what's the point? It was, were you looking for something to blame? You think looking back at it for like, instead of, reflecting i guess and was golf it was what was to blame based it on was that yeah. it was the golf business i blamed everything on the golf business right i was i was sick of it i didn't want to do this anymore like it cost me my marriage it cost me my job it cost me all my weekends it was just like everything about it stunk yeah and we've we've talked about that too like just the way it was designed right is like especially getting into it as a pro like you even just said you work the back shop oh you might get lessons right it's like why did like it clearly takes a toll on people like i love that we're we're kind of changing i feel like this generation or my generation your generation decided like we're not doing this anymore of like we i didn't like to be treated that way i'm not going to just pass it on because that's how you were right and it feels like looking back on it like a lot of 
and it's not necessarily what's to blame. I think we've highlighted, you've highlighted that, like you're not blaming golf for it. There was things you needed to work on. And at that point, and golf was just a, uh, a muse to, to blame in the moment, but like, it's not like there isn't any blame on it. It was, it is an industry that, um, I would say doesn't put mental health first and in, in most in, in a lot of cases. It's gotten better. I will be the first one. It's definitely gotten better. People have realized like there's the golf digest article a couple of years ago, mm. not the club pro crisis one, but one about superintendents. And it was like, I read it all and I, it hit home. Like this could be talked about a golf pro. I'm sure about food and beverage staff. I'm sure about a lot of things. But in a lot of businesses, it's kind of the same thing. But golf is always like, it used to be you have to work every day of the week. You have to be here 80 hours a week or else you're not doing it right. And it definitely has changed that clubs are, I guess you'd say your former host generation, like the guys who are head pros at big jobs now are saying, no, we can't do what we did. We made guys do in the past. Like they have to work. They have to have two days off a week. They got to have some time with their family. They need to be able to go to that, you know, wedding or birthday party, whatever it is. It's not like, it was 25 years ago when they were growing up like, okay, it's, it's got to change and it's changing. I'm fortunate. It has changed. Yeah. And back to that, where I was before, like a lot of that stuff was my own fault in my previous job that I ate what I killed for as far as like lessons go. And I got too hungry and wanted to keep going and going and going. It was partially my own fault, but yeah, it's that balance of like thinking, Oh, by me making more money actually helps the family. But when I'm not, when I'm not home, as, as Ryan said, and, uh, on the first episode, like the world still goes on without you. Right. And then it's like, Oh, I can do this without you here. Well, like, yeah. thanks for the money, but like, you can still give me money without us being together. You living in this house anymore. And it's just like, how many stories of golf pros just trying to make it because that's the industry was built of like ruined relationships and, and even professional golfers too. Right. Like, you guys, professional golfers, like I, I, uh, I, I know a guy that, uh, he, he had all, all the talent in the world. He's, he's won very big tournaments throughout the United States, um, purses in the couple hundred thousand dollars. And he's, he's had to call it because I think he realized he's had, he has a kid now. He's like, this is it. Like, this is what, like, I don't need that. I have all this other stuff. I can, I can have another way for golf, but the way the golf industry has always been designed and talked about is like, that's the dream. Even the PGA tour still sells it as that way. It's like, Oh, like you've met, you've met your dream. Yeah. I, I thought I met my dream and what I was doing and be honest, the best thing that ever happened to me was like leaving that job or losing that job. And that separation was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I met my wife because of that. And she's taught, she is, She's from Trinidad and she's the exact opposite. She is, you know, 530 hits, computer shuts down. She's she works very hard. I'm not gonna knock her on that. She works very hard, but she works hard, plays hard. She likes her weekends off, likes taking time to relax. And she taught me that. Like, you know, take Sunday off, take Sunday to hang out with the kids and her and leave at five o'clock when you don't have to stay till eight o'clock and see your family, spend time together. Like never had that before because never really knew that existed. Yeah. I mean, like that's, I guess that's something we all need to learn more from is like from immigrants, right. Is that like, you know, life could be way worse. You don't need, you don't always need more. Right. Mm -hmm. Is that like, has that been, 
it's, it's crazy. Like it's all coming full circle here, right? Like, is that like been the biggest blessing? I mean, there's a lot of blessings, but like the biggest lesson she's taught you of like, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll, I can show you what back home looks like if you think you need more. Yeah. It's well, back home is like, turned out it's a great place to live. She yeah. told me that she just wanted a different life and she wanted to come to Canada. And like, she taught me that like the power, like how good it is to take some time off. I want to make sure it sounds right. Like she showed me like, it's okay to, you know, like I said, take some time off and relax and use your vacation days. And we've been together four years and change. And we've been on, if we went to Montreal one year, Nova Scotia, another year, New York city this past year, she wants to go to Europe this fall. Like she's all about like, she's like, I want to make memories. And our first year living together, we went to Turkey point on a, for a Sunday twice in the home of Ralph Bauer. So I had to go see if there was actually a Turkey pointing. Um, we went to, we went to more beaches that first year in the kind of Hamilton area than you can imagine just to get away, just to have a little bit of time to relax and kind of recharge, which I never did before. Yeah. I mean, I think that's step one, like one of the major things you've done to change, but like you, you highlighted other like big changes. And I think you're even vocal about those changes on your different social medias, but like, what else have you done? to, I guess, looking back outside of, you know, the growth and how you view the game, but what other changes do you make to, I guess, be the positive, happy person. It's always nice to chat with that. I, I get a chat with today. I know you kind of realize when you hit rock bottom, how bad it can be. And you always look on the brighter side of stuff, so to speak. I mean, I've been fortunate. I got met some people, like met some people that kind of show me, how to look at things differently. I, I never went, I went to church, I think three times as a kid. And then that September, 2017, when things were real bad, Doug Laurie invited me to church with him. And that changed everything. I don't like to get too religious in public. I keep it to myself, I guess, but I go to church and the first time I went there, I remember it kind of felt different. Like a weight got lifted off of me and changed my outlook on stuff. And I met some people through a charity called we're all a little crazier. It's not called same here because I guess we're all a little crazy isn't the politically correct term anymore. But he taught me that it's not one in five like Bell Let's Talk Day tells you. It's it's like Ryan said last episode, like everyone has their own issues and everyone has their own stuff to go through. And it's not you don't have to hide it and don't have to keep it to yourself. Like it's okay to share. I remember the first time I shared that now I struggled. Like people are like, I've been there too, and didn't want to say anything, and I, I hide it and Know, depression and anxiety and all that stuff that everyone has it and it's kind of changes the outlook it's like okay i'm not alone in this because the one thing i found was at my worst i was thought i was alone no one wanted to be part of it but everyone goes through the same stuff everyone struggles everyone has the same things going through their not through their head i guess but you know what i mean they they have struggles and that changed my outlook completely how are you using that now like i'm sure that's changed you as a coach but just the awareness of coaching kids and just the understanding of the things to look out for to be that because like a lot of kids will lean on a coach to tell them something that they might not even be ready to talk to their parents about right like is is are you like aware do you have like those conversations with kids of just like how are you doing like is it something that is, is yeah. an awareness of for you now I, I talk to them and most of them, most of the kids, especially back at Brampton, a lot of the kids followed me on Instagram and that 
Hamilton, I talk more, I teach younger kids. So we talk more about like what's going, like less about what's going on, but if they're feeling upset, ask them why they're feeling upset. But kids back to Brampton would tell me what's going on at school. They'd share what's happening. It, I look at mental health advice the same. I look at fitness advice. I'm not the person to give it to you, but I'm the person that would gladly listen. And I circle back with their parents like, hey, he told me this today. If it's something important, I'll tell the parents if they just want to talk about it. I'm, I'm the person they can talk to about what's going on. They feel comfortable with thing. I don't really do anything with it because I don't want to give no. them bad advice. And But they feel comfortable enough to say like, hey, I got bullied at school or hey, you know, I didn't feel comfortable with this and this happened. And one kid told me he got was getting bullied and didn't know what to do and talked to his parents about it. We talked to the principal and kind of life goes on from there. Well, I think it just shows the role a coach can play of just being that, yeah, yeah. you're teaching them something, but just that relationship, right? Um, I think that's part of what being a coach is. Like you're, there's always that, oh, I'm a coach, I'm a teacher, I'm the whatever. And guys like, well, I watch my golf course, I'm a coach. And Michael Breach said once, like, a teacher will teach you how to fix your slice, but a coach knows about girlfriends and boyfriends and birthdays. And that one stuck with me. Like, I, I could tell you all the kids that I never taught competitively. Like, I couldn't tell you the birthdays. I got a memory like, bad for that. But I knew what's going on in their schoolwork and personal lives and boyfriends and girlfriends and struggles with picking colleges and that kind of stuff. Because that was a big part of it. You need to know that stuff. And it's the difference of being a teacher and being a coach, really. If you're a coach, you know all that stuff's going on. You can talk to them about it. Well, it's, it's, it allows you to change your approach that day too. If you know, Mm -hmm. they're dealing with something else, right? Like maybe, you know what, let's not, let's not work on the driver because it it requires more work. Let's actually go over the chipping green because we can actually talk while chipping. It's a little bit easier or something along those lines. That's what they need in the moment versus, you know, just, Mm -hmm. just being so, prescriptive which i think is a teacher right if you think of like the actual teaching uh what do you call that program i guess of like a classroom right like well by this day you need to be on this thing where a coach doesn't they they can adjust in the moment based on the need of the student right yeah and a lot of times in the lesson it could just be chatting with them like even adults i mean i teach a fair number of adults too because sometimes like especially in the winter i teach more adults and they just want to talk about what's going on you're almost like, I guess you're like their hairdresser in a way, right? I wouldn't know. Not that, I you, not that, yeah, not that you know. <laughs> my wife's cut my hair for two and a half years. But when you go to a hairdresser or a starter at a golf club, you talk to them about stuff. And you talk to them about everything. That's kind of a bit of what being a golf coach is sometimes. They want to talk about what's going on and listen to someone just hear hear them out. That I mean, that's the whole point of this, of golf friends and what we're trying to do, right, is, is to recognize the connection this game brings and, and you do it through, through teaching uh, the goal of, of golf friends is to do it through stories and, and content and, and just giving people a spot for a voice and, and, and not so much a, a closed door, um, a closed door, a gatekeeping. It feels like the golf industry does mm-hmm. do. So I, I'm going to bring it back and we're going to go back to say, 2017 brad now that you know and like what if someone else is in that situation you you were in right where you know the job that they're doing you know they're they're working those 80 hours it doesn't feel like they're getting the reward of it they they do love the game but they're they're unsure like what advice do you give to somebody like that to 
to make it better for them, I guess. I mean, best advice I can give you is find a great, a great boss. Really, that's what I back ended did. I found a fantastic boss that I get along with and makes working those long hours better. And if if you're working the private club side, I've been fortunate. I've worked at the last two private clubs I've worked at have two of the best memberships I've ever met. Not that the other clubs didn't, but these are two of the best memberships and they're golf clubs. If that makes sense, like they're golfers. at They're both not country and clubs first. And then there's a golf on the side. Like they're golfers. They love golf at both places. And like, I remember back, <laughs> back at Brampton one time, there's eight guys that wanted to play. And it was like negative three out. And the superintendent said, when that puddle in front of the pro shop melts, you guys can play golf. And it melted at like 1130 on a Saturday morning. And they all went out, played their first hole played the 18th hole, came and said, that was stupid. It's so cold. What are we doing? <laughs> but that's like, it gets better is why I, I tell, tell everyone, like, if you're, if you struggle, if you're having a rough time, it does get better. It's going to suck for a while. And don't be afraid to talk to people. Don't be afraid to get help. Don't be afraid to, in my case, was go to church and talk to some people that I trusted and told them what's going on. And unfortunately or fortunately, I had to move jobs not by choice, but it happens and find the right mentor, find the right people, find people you can talk to, find some golf friends and just keep going. Good plug. Um, what about the other end of things? What advice would you give to somebody that they're running the golf course and they want to make the lives of prof- the professionals there better? Like if you could wave a magic wand what would every golf, what would every golf professional be able to have um, from a work-life balance standpoint, I guess, or just working relationship? And if I was the the star of golf, I think like for every golf pro, I used to do this way back in the day. Like I used to work for six days a week forever. It's still up until this coming year, I always have. And one thing we did way back in the day at Mississauga is everyone had a, a play shift. So you'd come in, you play golf with the membership whenever you wanted. And that was your day. You had to be there. You had to play golf with the members, but that was your day. We had like one every two weeks because there's five golf pros. So it kind of rotated through and Saturday morning, I talked to four members. They were going to play at nine o'clock and we'd go play golf. And that was the greatest shift in the world. You could take off afterwards. You could stay and catch up on emails afterwards. You could teach lessons afterwards. Like it well, was, you had to play me. golf. You had to play golf. I mean, that was your job. You had to play golf that day. And, why doesn't every that. club do that? That seems so like we we forget about what we're actually teaching, right? You don't teach yeah. golf so somebody can go hit the golf ball better on the driving range, and so they can shoot a lower score on the golf course. Yeah. Why don't I, it's, we forget that's the actual craft? Why aren't we letting our professionals go and like not encouraging it, forcing it as you've just highlighted, basically? Well, it's, I mean, don't forget for up until COVID, like a lot of golf courses were struggling Yeah, that you still need people to run the operation. And if you don't have the budget because you don't have the rounds of golf, you don't have the membership. That means you don't have the budget when you don't have the time to pay the pros or pay someone else to cover for the pro. It's kind of that chicken before the egg type of thing, which as golf, sorry, I don't want to worry about that. <laughs> that that's yeah. kind of the counterpoint to that is <laughs> it's like, okay, you can go play golf, but that means Oh, Stefan, you're going to play golf Saturday, which means Brad has to work longer Saturday. So it's about finding that balance, which is the hardest part. I mean, 
that's uh, I guess that's business, right? Is like, that's the business you're in. Um, maybe there's, there's other ways, but like, I don't know. I guess that's, we are waving a magic wand here and budgets are tight in, in a Canadian golf industry at times. That's for sure. But and the ultimate thing, if I could wave the magic wand is I'd give every golf ball year round employment too. Yeah. In Canada, that's a, that's a tough one. Like I know you're, you're in a good spot, but like not everybody Back. gets that right. Like I know people have been ski lift operators to make it, to make, make ends work and uh, meet in the winter. So the year my son was born, like I applied at Western golf club that year. And that's the first time I read year round employment at a golf course. And I remember in the interview process, someone asked me, it was 2013. I went there. So in, like, let me get this. I was calling Emory, the director of golf his leaving associate, the teaching pro, and a board member was there. And the board member was reading my resume. He's like, let me see if I understand this correctly. He said, in the winter of 2011, you worked how many jobs? I said, well, it depends. Like November, I worked four. April, I worked four. The other times, I worked three. He's like, can you explain this to me? I said, well, yeah, I worked in on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I worked at the Ontario Racquet Club as, as in their golf facilities in the morning. And I think Saturday I worked there in the morning as well. I said Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, I worked at Tiesenberg golf in the morning. And I sometimes would stay in the, at night too. And I think it was three days of the week I worked at Golf Town. And the, when I wasn't working one of those in the morning, when I worked at those in the morning, I worked at night at Golf Town. And he's like, when did you ever see your family? I said, I said well, I was done work at six on Wednesdays. Otherwise, I worked from eight o'clock to nine o'clock every day of the week because I was unemployed, right? I was done working december and you had to find a way to pay your bills and he just goes oh <laughs> so I remember he's like, and, and west okay. is a pretty nice club i don't think they even realize like it's it's that well, realization is, of like oh this is what it actually takes like these are what these guys are doing like so weston was good because they gave us year-round employment yeah. we worked in the winter school there but i mean i was a young assistant so that's kind of what it was i was a fourth in line assistant at another at the previous club and that's what we had to do like and in my situation, my my partner just we just had a first child, so she was out make, collecting EI, which is fifty five percent of her income. Well, unfortunately, our our what do you call it expenses went up by fifty five percent, so yeah. she was covering the cost of diapers and formula and you know, half the mortgage. Well, I got to cover the other half plus everything else. All of a sudden, you had to find a way to pay the bills. It's, yeah, it's 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 just cr- it's crazy, right? And it's like, yeah. I, do you? I mean, I I'll ask you this, like. Do you think social media and the way that's come, like, I know you even offer, I don't know if you actually do too many of these, but like you have like that online people can message you. I forget whatever that company's called skillist where they can, they can go on and they can book you for an online lesson. Right. Right. Like, do you think social media has helped those young professionals potentially get into the game more or at least sell themselves a little bit more that, maybe they don't have to do as much of that if they're doing it right, I guess. Yes. And yes, a lot of ways I will be the first one. I'm horrible on that app. Yeah. I've taught like two golf lessons in two years. I don't market myself well, partially because like, I don't want to, I don't teach outside people at, here at the club. I teach the yeah. membership and my number one priority is the membership. So I don't go out there. as like, Hey, I'm Brad Lawrence, the, you know, junior extraordinaire that some people think I am. And, or I'm going to make you swing a better golf club because I'm not going after that, but it can work really well for some students or some teachers, but the flip side of it is some teachers shouldn't be doing that because they don't really know. Like me and Scott McLeod talked about, some guys don't know which end of the club to hold sometimes. 
but they can go on there and make a Shopify store, a little plug for you, and they can make a Shopify store and offer online lessons through Skillist. And they really don't know what they're talking about, quite frankly. And it's, it can hurt the golf business as much as it can help the golf business. Yeah. It's this weird, like catch 22, right. Of like, we want people to be able to pay their bills, but the craft has to be the most important thing. And to get the craft, it's like, you got to do what you've did and work. So it's such like, it's such a hard, it's not, it's very, yeah. Like, would you ever easy. tell anybody to go into this industry if they loved golf at 18 years old still, unless their main thing was, I, I love teaching and coaching. Like it's a very hard thing to get into if if the main reason you're getting into it is because you love golf and there's people who love golf that love the tournament side i have a friend from college who loves merchandise and he's really really good at merchandise and he loves that kind of you know making displays making cool promotions for his club i i do that stuff i'm it's not my passion so i can't say i love it but he really loves that side of things and there's ways to make money if you're really good at merchandising and making an online store for your club and that kind of thing. You could still make money that way. It's just, you got to find what you really love. If you love only to play golf, this is not the right business for you. But if you love the game of golf, like it's, it's, you've hung around golf courses. You see, it's different when you hang around a golf course and talk to people. It's just, it's different. It's cool. It's people are in a better mood. Like you could be talking to the guy who's the CEO of Kia Canada or, you know, the CEO of national bank and, he just wants to talk golf with you. He could have just made a deal for $10 billion and he wants to talk about a slice or I how think that's, Peter- that's why this whole thing exists. Is that like the fairway can equalize anybody, right? Yeah. It doesn't, the fairway doesn't care. Your driver doesn't care. The golf ball doesn't care how much money is in your bank or what you do outside of things. Once you get out there, it's like, you're just two people. And that it's a weird, it's got this weird way of bringing people together. Yeah, that I shouldn't know. that should not be what like there's people I played golf with and I don't need a name drop or anything, um, but I will. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but like they, we, you and him and I, we, we should never be in a cart together. Right. Like there's no reason yeah. I should ever, ever have the access to these people. But hey, we love this weird game together. It's just like there's other ways to be involved with this game without coaching. And I think the reason why you're still in it even though you, you, you're not giving yourself credit when you're talking about, like, I don't know why she, that, that one girl wanted me to be her coach. I think like looking all back at it, I don't think you really, like you wouldn't have done it if you didn't love coaching. Cause there would have been a lot easier ways to pay the pills um, looking oh, yeah. at all, everything you did. Yeah. And I thought that other ways to pay the bills, it probably could have made more money, but it's, I like people. I, mean, I don't know if you ever watched the show Ted Lasso, but in my house, I had this big poster of his quotes, like right when you walk in the front door, my wife hates the first thing I put up the day we moved in was that poster and she can't stand it. She wanted to put a wedding photo up. I said, you don't move this thing. <laughs> There's the scene in the, like the second episode, he's with Trent Krim and he's like, what do you love? And he says, I love coaching. And for me, it's, I love people. I and mean, I could be, I could be talking to you about what golf ball to play. And I love it. Or talk to you about whatever, if it's on the lesson tee, I just, I love it. I couldn't think of anything else I'd rather do some days. Yeah, you're gonna combine your two things that you love golf and and people and hey if you do that then it doesn't matter if you're working 12 hour days because it doesn't feel like work after all so um brad i think you're the true definition of a golf friend um i love your passion for the game i love that you are uniquely you um and uh 
one day I want to sit in on one of your classes and pretend I'm one of these kids with a hula hoop and see if you can make me better at golf. But I know one thing's for certain. If you can't find the fairway, you can't teach me how to find one either. So um, you and I will, we might play golf together, but uh, we'll never see the fairway together. We'll be walking along the rough the whole way through Hamilton. Yeah, we had a, I've got a funny story about that. I played with a student and another good player back at Brampton. And we decided to see how many fairways we could hit between the three of us in nine holes. So there's 21 fairways you could hit. <laughs> We're standing there on the eight tee and one guy goes, Guys, we've hit one. <laughs> we all proceeded to miss the eighth fairway, and then one of us hit the – I think two of us hit the ninth fairway, so we were three of 21. Hey, And one guy was a scratch handicap. The other guy's like a – probably a six. And there's me, and we hit three fairways in nine holes combined. <laughs> you know what it means? You need the uh, new G430 uh, from Ping. Maybe that's – it's a little out of forgiveness. We'll, we're going to be finding fairways all over Hamilton this year. Absolutely. Well, I need an invite first, I guess. That's a uh, one day, one day. Um, I was I was doing the math. Like Detroit is one side, Kingston's the other. Right in the middle is Hamilton. So there's our foursome. If you get my, you get my well, who's the fourth? Anyway, Scott. No one. We'll figure out somebody, someone important. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure Don't it tell out. Scott. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He'll find this. But uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you you coming on. I appreciate you telling your story. Uh, where can people find you, chat with you? Because I know uh, your DMs are always open. Oh, they absolutely are. It's, you can pretty much find me anywhere at, at blawrence underscore PGA on Instagram, on Twitter. You used to have TikTok, but I, I got rid of it, so I don't have that anymore. But yeah, you're not dancing on TikTok anymore. What's up with that? I just Wait. realized I spent too much time on it, and back to mental health, it was really probably not good for me, and... <laughs> I've decided like, if it's not good for me, I ditch it kind of like that, you know, clothes thing. That was all the rent trend a few years ago. If yeah. It doesn't bring you joy. Yeah. TikTok didn't bring me joy. And it's like, this is not for me anymore. So got rid of that, but I'm always on Twitter, Instagram. You can find me. I think I got a Facebook page. I couldn't tell you what the handle is. I don't, it, I don't use it for anything, but I don't even use it anymore. But yeah, Instagram, Twitter. I don't think I have a website. Email is pretty much the same thing. It's on Twitter. You can find me there. You can find them out everywhere. Uh, Brad, appreciate you. Thank you for being a golf friend, and let's uh, let's play some golf this summer. Absolutely. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. And if you threw a party and invited everyone you knew, you would see the biggest gift would be for me And the card attached would say Thank you for being a friend